The following is an archived podcast presented by the Branson and Hudson Foundation for Podcast Recovery. This podcast is entitled Unearthing the Temple of the Dodo Bird. It is the first and only episode of the podcast. Welcome to episode so, one. So, uh, day 17 of the dig, recording this um, on March 23rd, uh, 2023. Uh, we are here on the island of Mauritius at the dig site for the Temple of the Dodo Bird. This is Missouri Payne reporting in, uh, just catching up people that haven't been you know, paying attention to it all. We've made some good progress on the dig, opened up a couple new sections of the temple, we got a good crew here. You know, I have them with me. We're all gathered around here in the main hall. Feel like we're going to make some big discoveries today. Uh, I'm joined by the crew. Uh, this is Professor Edgar uh, Lewin Porch and oh, Weevil Sinclair. Edgar Llewellyn, Llewellyn Porch. Uh, sorry, Llewellyn. It, you know, it's got a lot of, what was that, Welsh? Yeah, I'm part Welsh. Only my middle name part is Welsh, though. I'm, like, uh, okay, I'm one third yeah, Welsh. Well, uh, we got uh, Lewin, Llewellyn. Here uh, with uh, Weevil Sinclair, I'll uh, you know let you guys kind of introduce yourself for this is just the tape I have for the dig. If you want to give them some context of you, uh, you know Weevil, you want to you want to tell them about yourself first. Uh, sure, Missouri. My name is Weevil Sinclair. I have a PhD in ancient monoliths, and I work for and with the Monolithic Institute in Three Pumpkins, California. So I'm very happy to be joined by my two fellow you know, nerds <laughs> of the ancients. Um, yeah, I mean, this is day 17. We've been working hard. Uh, our sunburns have turned to tans. Oh, we yeah. are working 18 hours a day some days, but I wouldn't rather be anywhere else. I got that good ba- base burn where, you know, you can make my teeth really pop and look you white. You look like the guy from uh, Primitive Technology, which but is you what you said. you said. You said when we got on the airplane, you're like, I hope I get that te- that Primitive Technology tan. And I said, oh, well, I mean, we're going to be, you know, by the equator. So, of course, and, you, you know, know, I've been, you, you know, I could, I've been using the sun in every day too. day 17 of the sun in. It's really starting to look a little blonde. It's really got like highlights kind of, you know. Really excited about it. And also uh, joined with us here is uh, Llewellyn. Llewellyn, you want to Well, that's yourself? my middle name. But yes, I'm Professor Edgar Llewellyn Porch from, I, I'm a starting archaeologist at the Arizona State University. Oh, congratulations. I didn't know you oh, were you, starting. Yeah, I'm a starting. I'm not on the bench anymore, folks. Oh, that's I was news, always man. jealous of my best friend in high school because he got a scholarship to the, but, uh, and I wanted to go because, you know, you want to go to college with your friends still, but, you know. Well, I mean... I wasn't on the bench for long because I made some miraculous discoveries pretty early in my career. Uh, on my very first dig, you know, I was telling everyone in the archaeology community, I'm after my white whale, you know, I got to find my white whale. And on oh, that yeah. very first dig, I found it. It turns out all skeletons of whales are white because they're bones. Found it right away. Oh. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, you, I guess you wouldn't really be able to prove if the if the whale was was. Well, it's, I think it's interesting that Edgar pulls this, or the professor mentions this because in this business, you got to know your bones, folks. You got to know your bones. And we all, all the bones. We all everything. say that. And sometimes I mean, that, you find bones, are like, what the heck is this? We don't even know what this is yet. And then we got to figure out what kind of bones are they. Some of these freaking people these days, they don't know a femur from a, a lemur. You know, I, I, was, uh, <laughs> I was walking out of my apartment the other day and, uh, you know, 
I guess I'm so conditioned to it that you can barely even see this stuff. But, you know, I was at my apartment in the parking lot apparently was, you know, it was three human femurs and uh, <laughs> just laying there on the blacktop by the parking spaces. And I walked right by him. I didn't even think to to, 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 to notify you anyone. You didn't think to, you didn't think there was like anything. I mean, I just see him so often. You Maybe someone so was playing Mortal Kombat there earlier and someone did an uppercut and like 12 rib cages came flying out. Well, I mean, I think with the femurs is you only got two of them. So when I started thinking about it, that's well, when I thought it was, it was really insidious. I, so I, I it's think like it's, one and a half guys, a, or if it's like a storage thing. Was it a sign from something? You know, you know, it, it it could be if you want to interpret it that way. But you know, they weren't really like great bones either. They didn't pop, so you I know, didn't even really. It pay could even be from them. three different people because it's pretty common to donate a femur because you only need one. You know. That that is true. That is true. But you know what? If you were donating femurs, I don't think you'd leave them in the blacktop or whatever, just sitting there. I mean, I mean, these were solid bones. Like these bones, you know. I'm sure people could use them for something. But uh, you know, that, that's just you know a little anecdote. I you know well, I've made mistakes like that before. Uh, sometimes I'll have a bag of like ancient cheetah teeth or whatever, you know, with me while I'm at the grocery store, and I'm getting like my quinoa, or whatever. I, I put the quinoa in my reusable bag and I leave the cheetah teeth on the counter. I don't know where the heck I put the damn things. Well, well we know, all I, we all carry stuff around. I mean, I pain. I don't want to carry around any... that. You carry around that fertility effigy. Oh yeah, I mean, you're always I, rubbing your thumb over the stomach of it. <laughs> oh, and... this thing. I you know I have ah, it, there on, it in my side satchel right there. You know, it, it is just a very impressive you know effigy. It, you know, it, it, it you know you see this you know f- kind of phallic you know symbol with this like almost you know, bloated sort of stomach and has a weird six arm kind of monster. I just, ends in that like quite supple as well. Oh yeah. I mean, but you know, we guess in, you know, where the head is supposed to be, you know, you find a penis head, you know, back then, you know, I think people had crazy imaginations, uh, but I carry this thing with me everywhere I go. And you know, I don't want to give away too many archeologist secrets, you know, especially since we just started recording. Well, tell them, I mean, you're leaving out the best part. James Cameron well, gave that to you. Well, not even the, I, should I say it? I'm going to say it. I you mean, you and Jim are every, close. I think it's okay. He won't mind. For well, you guys, I'm talking for you about, talk about every archaeologist has a shrunken head, you know? And sometimes people can get a little weirded out by that. You know, if you bust out the shrunken head at a dinner party. I need know, one. show people. Oh, what? Really? I always wondered. It does have like a smell of like, like, like a mild jerky. You know what it was like? I'll compare. A lot of people don't like this, but it's a lot like balut. You know, the Filipino dish where it's just the, the actual chick is still in the egg. and Oh, yeah. Huh. Yeah, I wonder what the, me of the spices. Yeah. I, see, I only have the one shrunken head. Maybe I'll eat it when I get a second one or other. But for now, it's still something I like to bust out and, you know, freak out co-eds with and things like that. You know, uh, Missouri, it's funny that you carry that shrunken head because some people say you've got kind of a big head from all your accomplishments. Maybe you should talk about yourself <laughs> a little bit. Well, you know, maybe, um, you know, again, you, we haven't even told the people the best part yet. Um, you know, I'll get into some of my stuff. You can follow my Instagram at Major Pain. Um, I didn't know Major Pain was a movie, um, so it's not the movie. People are always tagging me and stuff saying, you know, you know what's your major malfunction? And, and, and you know, it's a Wayans Brothers film where he was a drill camp 
uh, uh, sergeant. And essentially what happens is that, you know, through his tough love, he falls in love with the, you know, the adoption woman that's watching all these kids and, and, you know, and it's a sweet story, but you know, there is a lot of abuse of like fat young boys in it, which is something I don't really endorse. So if you are going to follow me on Instagram, please don't bring up the movie major pain. Uh, please don't reference the Wayans brothers on my page. I will block you. It's just something I do. You know, I like to keep my Instagram and, you know, highly curated. Um, I am an which archaeologist. One, um, oh, which one ahead. of which, which is your favorite Wayans brother? Well, or sister you know, even. You know, I'm uh, to be to be honest. You know, um, I mean, it's got to be Marlon, right? I mean, <sighs> Marlon's the Hollywood answer to me, but I've always been more of a Damon guy. Uh, yeah, more I mean, of a Damon way. Even though you're I not of, you, I mean, you to me, you he's a the bitter more taste in your mouth because of major pain. But I, I mean, I if mean, you yeah. look at the Wayans as if they're the Wu Tang Clan, to me, Damon is kind of like the Jizza. Where he's kind of like the guy that sets the tone for everybody else, but also a little bit of the maestro, a little bit of the thoughts you don't necessarily see. Whereas Marlon would be more of like an ODB type. I'm trying to think of who are the Wayne's family of the ancient world, you know? When you oh, think about I mean, the Romans, the Greeks, you think about the Egyptians. Uh, I mean, maybe I mean, we, we maybe we don't even know who they were. I mean, there there is there is a possibility of an ancient Wayans family that has maybe the, been lost maybe the time. twelve disciples of of Christ. You could make that argument. You know, they well, wrote a book, like they all wrote different books for the Bible, and you know, what if it was like the Gospel yeah, but to of me, the Marlins. real thing is the Wayans. The Book thing of Wayans. Is, they got to be. They got to be brothers. If you're gonna, if you're gonna simulate the Wayans, they uh, have yeah, to be bro- blood. Well, Peter and Andrew. I don't think you're allowed to use the term brothers. No, I did it with a, I did, I said brother with like a, I said brother with a hard R. Why did why did so, you say it like that? So you wouldn't so you would know I wasn't <laughs> You're saying only it allowed with to a, say it with it's, the hard it's R. It's actually if you say if you say brothers. Well, now I'm sorry. I want to apologize to my Instagram. So why don't you followers. tell them a little bit about your background? Yeah, where did you go to school? Credentials. I went to Hollywood A and M and A. Um, they added the A uh, for archaeology. It's you know Hollywood Agricultural and Mechanical. It's a very small school. You know when it when it was coming to be an archaeologist, you know my GPA, you know my I tested okay, but my GPA wasn't very good. You know, and, you know I, I I skipped a lot of class. I was distracted a lot. You know I was really interested in like growing my brand and taking all these great selfies. And you know I was skipping school to take these trips to the Hollywood sign to get it. Um, eventually, you know, I settled on, you know, you know, watching Indiana Jones and seeing all these great places he would go, you know, seeing people take pictures of pyramids, I thought, you know, really step my selfie game up. You know, I really had to pursue this kind of career as an archaeologist and I've been very, very successful with it. You know, I, I feel like I've really, you know, captured a lot of different styles. I, we work with a lot of Europe, Europeans when we're overseas. You know, I'm seeing them walk around with their shirts off. Uh, you know, they're going swimming in their tiny underwear, drinking wine in the sun while it shines. And, you know, they, they got all these great selfie styles that, you know, Americans really don't have. I really feel like I've upped my selfie game ever yeah, since I've started you know, I feel like your selfies are so spectacular i always just assumed that you oh, went thank to, you I, I always assumed you went to selfie school oh no i was there i mean it was in the neighborhood you know when i was going to hollywood a&m you know i'd party with people who were going to the selfie school so i'd hear stuff and i'd pick up stuff from well them, i do no. kind of hear that thank you very much i, I hear that the hollywood selfie school is kind of a party selfie school you know it like, is a little bit of a party selfie school like you would know that like some of the guys that went to selfie school they were only doing it to look for a wife you know 
Yeah, that's And for up. me, that's a guy that, you know, even though I didn't go to selfie school, I find a lot of purity in the selfie. Um, well, the, you know, I know the Greek life there is crazy. Like oh, some of these, nuts, some yeah. of these, some of these fraternities, you have to give every senior member a, well, I don't know if I should mention it on here. It's a, it's a selfie of your penis. Like, Oh yeah. That's one of the final exams. A lot of people were really worried about that. You know, uh, there's a lot to it. I've learned a lot just freelance kind of, but like, you know, the angle in which you place your penis, the, the, the turgidity is, is super important. One might think that you have to be well, there's a college board on, word if I ever heard one on blast, but really, honestly, it's more successful to be like 80% hard. And that way you can manipulate the penis into a more like preferable shot. Well, and, why don't and, we you know context on. is always important in the penis picture too. Uh, like if you I, can- I personally, I think that uh, there's nothing wrong with it because you know ancient times, as we know, uh, phallic objects were a major part of culture, and they oh, they still yeah. are in many ways. And I think ancient people in were the crazy form of about pictures and of and penises. Pussies. Then I think that's completely fine. I mean, you you're. Uh, selfie professional you're talking about these people having fun well, in the sun you know an that's, amateur that's right? just you know, a, yeah. that you know that's just the bohemian lifestyle of old or the or going back to the greeks or we're going back to you know i mean all about i think every civilization or society has had their periods of hedonism you know oh, for sure Oh, for sure. So I think we're in another one of those periods. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even just seeing from some of the stuff in the temple here, uh, you know, that may be a little bit of what we're in for. I know today we're all looking for the mummy's whip, yeah, which well, we've heard a lot of stuff about, but really not sure what it's going to be. Well, it's yeah. So maybe we should give people a little more background. We're here on the island of Mauritius. It's about 500 miles east of... What do you call that place? Madagascar, where they made that movie about the animals. Oh, yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. And this island is pretty famous for being the home of the dodo bird. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we can see those. I mean, there's skeletons of the bird. I mean, even when we just got in on the boat right next to the dock was a great big pile of dodo bones. Yeah, you can't go anywhere without fucking tripping over these things out here. Like a normal common everyday chicken is a rarity on this island and the dodo bird is everywhere. And I'm kicking these bones. It used to be, you know, as an archaeologist, I had a reverence for bones, you know, a respect for bones. But but here with all these dirty ass fucking dodo bird bones, I've been kicking, I've been smashing them, throwing them in the ocean. And when you throw them to the ocean, they just wash back up on the shore. The whole beach is ruined with the dodo bird bones. Yeah, I don't know if people, yeah. the average person knows this, but these dodo birds lived more than 26 million years ago. And basically... They did it to themselves, right? Like, it's their fault they're not here anymore. Yeah, they, cur- they were cursed, essentially. They're, they're just living they're like, on this fucking they, island. They couldn't leave this island in any way, shape, or form. And uh, it was their own hubris that killed them. They didn't That's true. invent technology to escape. They didn't yeah. try to migrate better. Um, and it's their fault because people think they're stupid. But it was actually their hubris that was their downfall because they were smart. They were like 130 IQ average. You know? I mean, you got to be pretty smart, so smart in order to be a big, fat, dumb, useless bird that has no predators and you can kind of just do whatever you want. Yeah. Like, you know, that's a good setup for a long time. But guess what? The second somebody shows up that knows how to kill you, they're just going to do it's, you know, it's, hu- you know, it's human nature to see a dodo well, bird. No, I, see, I don't know. Want to kill it even if you're not hungry. 26 million years ago, they coexisted with humans on this island. The Dodosian Empire was here. 
it stretched yeah, all I the mean, way from one side of Mauritius to the other side. It was as long as a modern day football field. That's how sprawling the empire was. I mean, yeah, from from the east to the west, all the known world they controlled. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of times we look at that through, you know, a, 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 a you know a European centric kind of viewpoint. We think, well, that's not a very you know, big emperor, but you know, uh, empire. But to well, to me, if you control a whole island, it's a very impressive thing oh, to control yeah. a whole island. Like if this was risk, that would count for something, you know. Oh, and yeah. they used to still say that get a couple the guys. sun never set on the Dodosian Empire as long as it was in the sky. Yeah, I mean, it, technically, it would set when it wasn't in the sky. Right. But it's like as but long that, as it was they, like sunny. That, that's why they clarified. Yeah. That sometimes, sometimes they also just said sometimes the sun sets on the Dodesian Empire. Well, sometimes, sometimes only so. a normal sometimes. amount though. Like it didn't set yeah. an extra there is, amount. There's a it. lot of there's a lot of arguments and deliberation on this topic in academia. Um, kind of so, like the Mayan calendar type of thing. Like, what do they actually mean by it? What does it actually mean? Um, but I think it's clear today most people would agree that the dodo bird was very smart and it's kind of just something that changed even though for a long time people thought the opposite it's like pluto is no longer a planet i just you know what i think it is i think but, the mistake was naming it the dodo bird because dodo sounds like a dumb animal you know dodo like it'd be like a carlos mencia yeah like imagine if it was animal. a poke imagine if it was a pokemon right oh if it was a pokemon you would saying its name it. you'd be like oh my god this thing is the dumbest thing i've ever seen yes. these are invasive actually they're, they're invasive we should kill them all they're invasive actually mm-hmm. you know people would be making false claims and well all actually that the dodo a- bird became useful to the dodosian people in the first place because of the momo worm the oh, fucking yeah. Momo worm was running all over the island going crazy, and they need these dodo birds to go in there and eat those Momo yeah, worms. The Momo worm actually was a big problem when they started breeding these dodo birds to kind of deal with the Momo worm. And you know, what you find out is that, you know, they thought that these Momo worms were, you know, were going to take over the whole island. They were getting in everyone's socks. You know, they were being Oh, nasty. the Momo worms were making everyone so itchy. Oh, yeah. And so these dodo birds go in, they go into everybody's socks, they start eating them, but they start multiplying and they start multiplying and they lose their ability to fly because they have such a steady supply of diet. Next thing you know, you have a bunch of animals, like if a bird was Elmer Fudd, you know, that's what they look like. Well, here's the the crazy thing. It's kind of like the similar situation that happened in Guam. You know, there's no tropical bird species there. There's like crows and sparrows. You know why? The brown tree snake which was introduced to the island to reduce the rodent population. And you know what? Now this island has no more exotic worm species, mm-hmm. no more beautiful mm-hmm. tropical worms, because now you bring in the dodo bird, it wipes out the mama worm. The worms are all gone. And now what else is gone? The dodo bird. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really a tale as old as time. Um, and it's quite a story. And I kind of wish that Hollywood would put upon the silver screen, the tale of the dodo bird and the mama worm. So that more people could understand like this rich history. Yeah, like a CGI type of dodo is what you're saying. Are you talking about like a like an educational film? To Madagascar, film but about the dodo bird and the mama worm. That's right. Uh, well, you know, maybe they could get another more cute animal in there. You know, a worm and a bird. They could put really like a, a domestic good, like, cat or something that got even flown like to the Ren island. and Stimpy. Like they, one of them, you know, was a dog well, and cat. Like a bird uh, and worm is. Maybe this in this particular instance, the early bird didn't get the worm. It was the late bird that got the worm. Maybe the worm should be in an apple. Did Momo worms eat apples or did they live in them and read books? I thought they ate socks. 
I'm thinking of the bookworm. Apple, that's what yeah, I'm thinking Apple's of. I thought that's completely brought, different. Apples one. and books were both brought to this island by Richard Scarry at the same time, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he flew in on a helicopter that was a big apple. Well, too, we're talking so. all about these these dodo birds and their skeletons. Just, there's just like a trillions of them out here. Um, but, and, and I mean, it's a common thing for gift shops to sell them. You know, you could take it back to people. You know, it's like a a little alligator head or like a shark's tooth type of deal, you know, or those sharks in jars, uh, really gross, but people seem to like it. And it funds a lot of the, the stuff here in the tourism here on this Island, but we're talking about the boat Dodo bird, but the one species that actually is still around that we've had a problem with. What is that fellas? Or do you refer to the Jojo bird? No, I'm talking about the green crested silly billy. Oh, the green crested silly the billy. The JoJo bird is actually helping species. us get rid of the green well, ca- sh- crested no, silly billy. Don't say, don't say the e word because if you say the e word, we're gonna have to stop the whole dig. Remember, oh, yeah. some people are. Allege- sorry, listen, slip of the slip of the brain. I had a little brain fart there. I didn't mean endangered. I meant invasive. Stop saying it. Just stop. I saying meant it. invasive. Yes, because yeah. I always some get those. Some people allege these green crested silly billies that there's not that many of them left. I don't want to say what that entails. And who? Who's counting, by the way? Yeah, oh, is that someone's job to go around counting these birds? Oh, there's not enough well, of them left. There I just are, see too many fucking birds. There so. are activist groups that claim this is the last place on Earth where these birds live, and I like to think this is the last place they're invading. Yes, because well, unfortunately, you know, they're all congregated around the Temple of the Dodo Bird where we are digging, and they won't leave, and if these things hypothetically were you know, endangered, we'd have to stop digging. So, you know, we'd have to stop shooting shooting them with our slingshots. You know, we'd have to stop grabbing them out of the air and spinning them around by their legs until their neck pops off. Stop giving them Mentos and Coke. Giving them grains of rice that stop getting thought, them hooked on cigarettes. I, I thought mean, if they ate rice, they would explode. But half out of that's these birds true. just are just sitting around smoking. Yeah, I've never seen I've never seen a bird roll a cigarette until I've seen the green. You see like little bird. parrots holding like a cracker and their little claw and they pull it up to their mouth. Well, these they're just sitting there holding a little cigarette. They they roll them like you said. They're actually quite intelligent creatures. It's just they're ruining this dig and this dig is, I mean, what this is a uh, uh, four hundred fifty million dollar dig. Yeah. We can't be having this. You know, no. this is there's no. a lot of liability. A lot of is on the line here. And, and you know who knows what's going to happen when we find the mummy's whip. I mean, this could be a, a whole, you know. Are we going to let a few birds stop us from finding a mummy's whip? It's just too I important. Mean, I, I'm really interested. I have. I I really want to see this whip. Well, Missouri, you hinted at this earlier, but we actually have an ally against the green crested silly billies. Uh, it's ah, called the, the JoJo, Jojo bird, yeah. and it's always like doing these crazy poses. I don't know how to describe it. A very angular style, you know. Powerful poses. They're usually standing at like a wide base with their feet. Bright color, neon color plumage. Very beautiful birds. Huge Um, eyelashes. These birds have the biggest fucking eyelashes. They are a very androgynous species of bird. It's very there's really it's very hard to differentiate between the male and female. I've never uh, seen a bird uh, with nipples. But the Jojo bird is the first bird that has two little nipples, like right where a human's nipples would be if they had the same morphology as a bird. You know, what's also crazy about these is that they could take on, they could take on, you know, raptors. They, they take on, you know, falcons and birds, predatory birds with ease. 
they're much stronger than they look, and I, I think a lot of people underestimate them. You know, and, and and they get provoked a lot because they they will be standing so casually that every once in a while you'll see a, like a falcon swing by or something like that, and, and the JoJo bird will almost dare it to attack it. You know, it, it, it has a cocky nature to it that that I find very impressive. And the JoJo bird has a really interesting genealogy too, where like one generation they'll be in like England or whatever. And then the next generation of Jojo birds, they they're migrate. like in Egypt yeah. or something. They know? migrate to a different place with every generation. It's very right, interesting. And I, heard, I heard they eat the yum yum fruit. Is that correct? Well, the yum yum fruit is on Mauritius, but the Jojo bird not, is not particularly drawn to it, I wouldn't say. Well, I mean, don't mind Missouri. He's not a naturalist, but um, yeah, a lot I, of- I kind of said my thing already. I'm more of a selfie guy. <laughs> Yeah, that's so, kind of what people know me around here for. People come to me when they need sunscreen. You know, when they when they need, you know, I'm always telling people, you know, it's the golden hour. Go to the beach. Make sure you face directly into the sunlight. Um, get the best shot. You know, slightly elevated. Um, you know, make sure that you know don't go from below angle. You get the belt. You know, the double. Chin he or got whatever. on my. He got on my case because I sent him. I I was at the top of Machu Picchu. Uh, last year with my wife and I, I was like, I'm going to send a selfie to, to Missouri. He's going to love it. He's going to be so proud of me. And I sent it to you and you said, you, the, it's a live, it's a live picture. You let the live picture on you, dumb, dumb. And I was like, oh man, it's like a little well, video. It's not even a selfie. It's like a little video. Oh my God. Your strategy too. There was shadows all over your face. You weren't doing anything with your hands or your lips. You didn't bite your lips and or you, anything. And you, you said weren't to me, touching you said, it. You said you had you're, no leather bracelets on. Yeah. Great you know? looking guy. What's, you know, what's it going to hurt to give a little bit of a smile? And I was like, and, you know, you know, he's got a point. And you know, like, what, you're happy. I was like, yeah, I'm always happy. You know that. He's like, well, look, give me a smile. I want to see uh, that smile. You, I mean, there's just things you can do ahead of time to kind of help with your selfies. You know, drink a lot of coffee, get yourself really dehydrated. Don't drink any water and it'll make your veins pop. You know, you'll have those big, cool veins in your arms that, you know, other men seem to think is a cool, strong thing. And, you know, you, you can, you can put your, your, you know, if your if your arms are crossed, one thing you can do is you can place your hand underneath your bicep and push it towards the camera, so it looks like your uh, arms are bigger. Just little things like that can really up your selfie game. So I'm not trying to crap on you, man. I'm not trying to crap on you. Weevil, That's a pretty good but- strategy. That last one, especially. So, like, say, like if uh, if like my wife and I were expecting or something. Once we have that baby, I could I could take a photo with the newborn and kind of push my muscle forward. While I'm exactly. cradling it to just look kind of like ripped, you know? Exactly. Like that'd be so you know, angle your, your elbow push- closer to the camera looks bigger. That's 100%. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, just little things like that, you could really set it off. I don't want to get distracted too much. I know we're we're here on an archaeological dig yeah, and we're how, about to go on this How many expedition. times do you get to go to the Temple of the Dodo Bird to unearth it? Well, you know, this is a once in a lifetime experience. And uh, I, I was thinking maybe, guys, it would be a good time to kind of, you know, before we head down into the underbelly of the temple, you know, maybe we can talk about ourselves and some of the previous expeditions with, that we've had. Oh, sure. I mean, there's been so uh, many. I, I want to ask you, too, something really quick before we go into those. What made you want to be an archaeologist? And I can tell you what mine is. Oh, sure. Go well, ahead. What really, really made you want to go into this field, you know, for your full career? When I was a kid, I was really into, you know, movies and especially oh, like Indiana Jones and all that. The mummy. Thank you. But I remember seeing in an old in an old science book, 
And this, this you don't hear about too much, but I read it. I, I got this book from the library. I think my grandma brought me there one day. And I was reading this book, and it wasn't really for kids necessarily, but I, I got kind of the gist of it. But I read they, they found a Frankenstein in Antarctica. Oh, Do you oh guys remember that? It was like yeah. it was like 1894. Oh, yeah. I I thought maybe I have that time wrong. I'm sorry. It's been a long time. But I I was reading up on this, and it, it turns out most people have at least – like 0.05% Frankenstein DNA in them. And I was like, my mind was blown. Oh yeah. And you know, I remember seeing that and you know, a lot of people didn't believe it at the beginning because of that fake Frankenstein that that one guy claimed to find in Alaska in 1959, because he found that really huge bone and painted it green and said it was from a Frankenstein. (laughs) Now we know that Frankensteins have white colored bones, just like us. Their bones are not green. You know, it's just the skin. It's just their blood. Back then, back then, we didn't know, you know, so. And people will say like, you know, oh, we didn't evolve from Frankenstein's. It's like, no, but we have a common ancestor with them. Mm-hmm. There is a link and there's proof of this. There's proof of this. There's genetic proof. And I thought, wow, like clearly I didn't go directly the Frankenstein angle. Um, I, I think all of us encompass a lot of different parts of this field. I, I specialize in monoliths, for instance. I like big things that kind of stand uh, alone or big things that are just impossible for us to. A lot of the times, you, you know, make with with modern technology, and I'm like, how did they move this stone? How did they make it move those big heads on Easter Island? Who made Stonehenge? I mean, obviously it was giants, right? But a lot of people don't want to think about these things. People don't care about the ancient world. They're too busy taking selfies. No offense to oh, Missouri, because none you taken. use it in a way that it's a. This is all. You know, it's all anthropology, right? It's all anthropology with the archaeology. And there's, I mean, there's proof of ancient selfies even. Oh, go on. I'm not familiar with any of these ancient selfies. Well, 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 I'm not the expert, but you have to... I got to do some digging into that. You know, I've seen... Bill Rufkus. You know Bill Rufkus from Smithsonian. Oh, yeah. He could tell you all about it. Well, I know there are some cave paintings that have done from like a first, you know, you know, a kind of a, a backwards, uh, uh, you know, lens where they're kind of painting themselves. But, you know, their their art style really wasn't sophisticated enough mm. to really get a lot of the for the time. I a, think it might have been, though. Oh, but, yeah. But, but time, enough I'm about sure me. What 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 made you want to go into into this? Well, I remember just Did you like digging having, as a kid. <laughs> Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. I hated the sandbox. I hated history class. You know, I was kind of a classic kind of, you know, suburbanite kid. And, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I was 15. I got my first Instagram account, you know, and so I'm, you know, trying to add people. I'm talking to girls, you know, I'm trying to post these selfies and, and I was having so much trouble. I mean, you know, I would have what, 200 followers and I'd post a selfie and I'd get like, you know, three people liking it. Like it, it, it was rough. It was rough. And it really fucked with my self-confidence. Um, and that was until one day, um, we took a, a family trip, um, to the natural history museum. And I took a selfie in front of Tutankhamun, King Tut. And, um, you know, he was really chill with it. You could tell that he was like, 
okay with people bothering him. He was just trying to be at like the museum and see the exhibits with his family. But, you know, I'm a 15 year old kid. He couldn't say no to me. So I got this great, you know, selfie with King Tut at the Natural History Museum. And, you know, he went on his way, shook my hand, class act. But, you know, ever since then, you know, I got at least 23 likes on that picture. And that, oh wow, you know, I have to say it permanently changed how my brain's you know, pleasure and reward centers have been structured. And now I'm getting, you know, 100,000 likes, 110,000 likes on some of my selfies. And, you know, I just see how far I come, but I always attribute it to being that kid, you know, that kid that got, you know, in a lot of ways, I'll always be that kid that only got two likes. Kind of give you that buzz to take a selfie in front of an ancient, ancient piece. That's great. But, you know, that's how I got uh, involved in it. Uh, Professor Porch, uh, please, how'd you get well, involved in archaeology? I guess the, the, the short answer is that I'm a people person. And the long answer is that while I love living people, there's so many interesting dead people, right? Right. And like, I would say there's more interesting dead people. I, I would tend to agree with that, actually. And that's like, you know, my is sad, but my grandfather passed away before I really got to know him, you know? And... When I was a teenager, I was telling my parents, like, I'm going to get a shovel. <laughs> Let me get a shovel and dig his ass up because I never got to talk to him. I want to see. I want to check this guy out. Right. And they told me, oh, you're not allowed to do that for some reason. Yeah. But if you wait longer, it's OK. <laughs> like if this guy was buried a thousand years ago, it's like, oh, dig him up and do whatever yeah, the fuck you free. want. Yeah, You can do whatever you want with him. You can but put his naked my little booty grandpa, in the museum if you want. Yeah, I'm not allowed to do it with my own grandpa. So I'm like, OK, I guess I got to just find the guys I'm allowed to dig up. Right. Yeah. Um, no, that's that's a great way of putting it. I never thought that way. So sometimes, well, you know, the, I, I like to see the local culture of the people who are here now and the people who are gone. So like, you know, the three of us, we, we usually just talk about the archaeology side. But, you know, this weekend, we're not only down here in the temple digging stuff up. We were hanging out with the Dodosian people. You know, it's not like it was in the old empire days. It's a little bit more low key now. But we saw a football game on Saturday. The local college team, the Mauritius fighting Irish. Oh, they went crazy. Um, the culture out here is great. The team was crazy. And I just love to, you know, experience all of life's uh, little things, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, that wishbone offense that they're running with multiple running backs, it, it, you know, they're doing the split option. It's really crazy stuff. That wish to, wishbone, I couldn't have, uh, it, I couldn't have found a better wishbone if I dug it up myself. In a, That's true. In a you skeleton. did say that multiple times when we were And you know what game. I told them? I, I was like, why didn't you call the, the team the Dodo Birds? And they said, well, it was called that for about 20 years. And then we were bought out and now we're the fighting Irish. So it's like, well, you know, whatever, whoever pays the bills, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when we're doing these digs and you're uncovering ancient truths and ancient artifacts and relics, there's a lot of controversy around, say, opening up a sarcophagus. People say, what, what might it hold really right. ancient diseases, ancient curses. And I'm confident that I have a few curses on myself. Um, oh, I did yeah. when I was in South America in a, a temple, I became gravely ill for about seven months. I was in the hospital mm-hmm. and the doctor said that there is essentially a chunk in my frontal lobe that vanished. They don't know how, they don't know where it went or how it, um, you know, it, it didn't, they, didn't they, said, they said it didn't atrophy. It didn't, it wasn't eaten or anything. It's, they said it's just gone and that the, the tissue there, it's almost like it was never there in the first place. And I like to think, well, 
you know, what am I missing now? What was taken from me? Or was that piece something that was taken from me as a gift? Maybe that's a piece of our brain that we developed that we're not supposed to have. And yes. I thought, well, maybe if I visit enough of these these sites around the planet and I'm uncovering these things, perhaps I'll keep losing pieces of my brain that I don't need anymore. And I thought that was great. I thought, you know, seven months in this hospital in, in, in South America was hard. I almost died, but and you learned how to walk all over again. Yeah. And I and that's almost like, well, I became a baby again. Mm-hmm. And I thought how incredible that I was given yeah, this gift to be a child, a baby boy. The doctor said that was boy. completely uh, uh, psychosomatic, but uh, yeah, you did think you were a baby for a minute there. Yeah, I remember the and three my, of us went out for a nice steak dinner together, and you thought you were teething, and you were just like gnawing on the steak and not even really chewing and, on uh, it, you know? And my 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 wife, well, now my ex-wife, um, we're still we're on good terms, but after everything, we, we went our different ways. But she, at the time, she was nursing me. And the doctor said that they thought it was good for my, you know, for the psychosomatic aspect of it. But I wrote about it in my book. I was a crazy doctor. <laughs> well, that was nuts. I mean, I was going through a crazy time and I was like, well, crazy times call for crazy measures mm-hmm. and crazy doctors. And that's why you went to Dr. John Shaman. John Shaman is, I mean, he's, he's a he's guru. A, he's the, when it comes to eccentric one of a kind diseases, he's the best there is. Um, you know, we are, I'm looking at the time now and I'm thinking we should maybe get down to the expedition. Um, before we do that, I know we all wanted to mention um, some of our past digs and some of our uh, oh, uh, right, uh, right, uh, right. prior accomplishments. Um, I was War actually, stories. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping actually, uh, Professor Porch, uh, if you could kick us off with one of those. Oh, sure. Um, you know, before we get doing, maybe tell everybody at home exactly, you know, what your kind of past work has been like. Well, I have so many stories, like I don't want to get into too many of them. Uh, a real quick one off the top of my head, though, just maybe five years ago, we were down in New Mexico, me and my team from ASU. We dug up 1.5 million Atari cartridges from the mid-1980s of a video game based on the sitcom Webster starring Emmanuel Lewis. He was like this annoying little kid who sang in Japanese and he was always like burning down his parents' apartment on the TV show and stuff. And he was getting like molested at school or whatever. And he had to tell his parents <laughs> and whatever. Um, this game was so bad. You that thought they, that was annoying? Well, that part wasn't annoying. Well, maybe if he was less annoying, it might not have happened. I don't know. Any, it's not my business, but <laughs> we dug up all these cartridges in the desert. Um, I put some of them on eBay. If you're interested, you find them on there. Uh, at a premium. I mean, we had to go dig those suckers up, so it's not going to be cheap, but um, <laughs> this is a story for another day, but this is a story I'd really love to tell right now. This comes from 2017. Um, an ancient Egyptian pyramid was discovered just outside of Ann Arbor, Michigan. It must have like drifted there during the Greek, Greek and Roman days or something. Like one of those times when Egypt wasn't really like popping off like that and nobody was keeping an eye on it, you know? Anyway, the great archaeologist Nico Robert asked me to accompany him on this unprecedented mission that carried with it unprecedented hopes. The prospect of finding a brand sparkling new mummy was as exciting as it was terrifying. Oh, you didn't think archaeologists get scared of mummies? I'm sure you've heard the sickening and disgusting lyrics of the monster mash, but believe me, 
When you see a real live mummy do that disgusting mash and that awful graveyard smash right in front of your eyes, you will never be able to sleep again in your life. Anyway, we got to Ann Arbor with our chainsaws and our mallets and our machine guns and all our other archaeology stuff, and we started digging and shooting up the archaeological site. (laughs) You know, it's a lot slower to move the dirt by shooting tons of bullets into it, but it's a lot more fun. After our interns cleared away the thousands and thousands of bullet casings, we located the door of the ancient mummy temple known as the Pyramid. There was a doormat outside that said, Mummy, I'm home. We knocked on the door, but nobody answered, which was kind of irritating because we could hear some sounds inside. It sounded like cheering. And then it sounded like a commercial celebrating the ice cold virtues of the Budweiser beer. A mummy came to the door and introduced himself as Tim. On the TV in the background, a group of Clydesdales was doing a crazy end zone celebration dance, and Roger Goodell was throwing his hat on the ground and started stomping on it while a, a ref just watched in stunned amazement, powerless to penalize the equestrian horseplay since these steeds were not even on a team. Can I help you? said the mummy, Tim. We were amazed at this discovery. He was a real Egyptian mummy walking and talking as if this were merely the movie The Mummy. What on earth are you doing here, said Nico Robert in a British accent or whatever he was. I live here, man, said Tim, but don't tell my wife, lol. (laughs) It turned out Tim was on the lamb from his bow. It was just for a little while. He wanted some peace during the big Michigan game that weekend, so he came up with the perfect alibi. He told his wife that his boys were going to embalm him, and he was all dressed up like a mummy. He told us that they already pulled all his organs out through his nose or whatever, and he just wanted to catch the Wolverine's last big defensive stand before passing on into the afterlife and floating in the river sticks or whatever. This excuse was rather puzzling, however, as once the game ended, he insisted that we stay and watch Big Daddy on DVD with him. He said he wasn't quite ready to meet Charon on the River Styx yet, and also he didn't seem to be sure if the River Styx was in Egypt or Greek or whatever. And then like 15 minutes into Big Daddy, his wife called him, and he said that he, you know, he told her that he was just at Home Depot getting some wood filler epoxy to fix the divot in the living room floor from when he got heated during last week's Michigan game and started kicking the floor a lot. And then after that, he had to go. Uh, that's a, an amazing discovery. I mean, I'm sure you got your attention from the press for that. Oh, one. I mean, that's the first living mummy that anyone's ever found. <laughs> the first 45-year-old mummy. It's crazy. And also, I forgot to mention this, but also there was a big ruby in there worth over $100,000. Oh, my and God. we sold it on Craigslist the next day. <laughs> and a guy paid us cash on the spot. That's crazy. Wow. wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. that's quite an impressive story. It's it's going to be hard to follow. Uh, uh, Weevil, should you, uh, would you like to go? Um, sure. I can talk about my last uh, big trip. Uh, it was actually, I don't know how long. Uh, yeah, it was it wasn't too long ago. Um, 
So my last trip was to Ohio, to the Cleveland area. Uh, there's been talk in these parts for many, many years. Talk about dragons. So you always hear about these creatures in Europe, in China, Japan, going back to ancient times, right? I've always heard about dragons. But I had heard whispers about them being in the Americas. So I was doing research online when I came across this blog of a person who was from Ohio. And this blog covered numerous fringe topics, you know, UFOs, spirits, cryptids, ancient technologies, folklore, Taiwan. And the blog was written by a user that went by the handle Cowboy Pleasure. <laughs> and this blog had existed for 15 years, something like that. Now, this Cowboy Pleasure claims that these dragons never went away, and he had seen one, and he had evidence of them. So I contacted Cowboy, and after vetting some of my you know, credentials and seeing I was legitimate, he agreed to discuss these things with me. And after about, I'd say, eight months of correspondence, Cowboy agreed to meet with me in person. So when arriving to Cleveland, the weather was like particularly cloudy. The, the It was just like everything was like the lands were gray. The buildings were gray. It was about mid-September. Over Lake Erie is some dark clouds. And when I first meet Cowboy Pleasure at the, the location he requested, it was a moment I'll never forget. So in a lakeside park, I saw a man looking out over the water. He was in all denim and he had Iron Ranger boots on. Red Wings brand. And uh, he was not a tall man, but he had this presence to him that felt big. And right next to him was on a leash, his dog, Jack, a beagle mix. Storm's coming was the first thing he said. Then he turned and with this glimmer in his eye, he introduced himself and shook my hand. And we started to walk with Jack and he in talking about the area Cowboy told me that this place used to be a, a great empire. And before the visitor, the quote visitors brought technologies, the people of these lands rode on great dragons. So then we come, we come up to this like small patch of woodlands, right? And Jack seems to pick up the scent of something and it starts leading us into the woods. So we're following and he's smelling, he's close to the ground and there's leaves crunching beneath our feet as like maple and oak trees are looming above us. And we come to the small clearing Cowboy kneels to the ground, picks up something I couldn't see, and tasted it. It was the cap of a Gatorade bottle, actually. <laughs> this isn't good, he said. Then he looked up and squinted a bit. He was looking like deep between the trees, and then he points, and he goes, right there, you see it. And to be honest, I couldn't see a, a, a damn thing. I don't know what he was talking about, but I could really tell he was fully seeing something. So we began to, we began to walk in this direction, that he was focusing on and he beckons me to follow. And like about 200 feet up, we come across a plastic bag and we look at each other and cowboy once again, crouches down and he's poking at the bag with a small stick. This is an offering. You better not mess with it. And I could tell he was a bit rattled because he immediately wanted to leave. And so we do, we get into cowboys, 1999 white GMC Sonoma. We go back to his place. He didn't speak the entire ride. He doesn't say anything when we get there. We walk into his place. He immediately goes over to a record player and he puts on Mitch Murder Breeze. And then he goes over to the, the entertainment center 
and he puts the Manhunter Blu-ray on his large flat screen TV. And so we sat down. We're drinking Coke Zero. And he finally says something. There's something in the woods, he says with a peculiar certainty. Dragons aren't the only thing this world has forgotten, Mr. Sinclair. And then he poured a little bit of bourbon into his Coke Zero and proceeded to eat an entire bag of white cheddar popcorners. (laughs) (laughs) About halfway through the film, Cowboy gets off the couch and lays on the floor, cursing the snack he just ate. (laughs) He's rolling back and forth. And he tells me I'm welcome to stay as long as I needed. And that on the weekend, he'd be going to a nearby quote pyramid in another park. And then he immediately falls asleep on this, on the floor. He lets out like a five second long protein fart and begins snoring. Now I only had a few days there, but I would have loved to have seen it. This, this pyramid he was mentioning. I'm not sure if I saw any evidence of ancient dragons there, but there's definitely something in the air. And the cowboy and I still talk nearly daily and he is determined to prove this pyramid was built by grass men over 10,000 years ago. So I'm planning on returning to Cleveland this summer. Cowboy and I, along with the Institute have raised around $1.2 billion for the, this past year alone for this project. So I'm oh, very wow, excited. Yeah. You guys will be able to definitely, you know, with a, with a billion dollars, you're like, already almost raised all the funding you'll need for that. Yeah, and once you sell all the stuff you find there, you'll probably make more than that back. You know, that's what archaeology of, is all about. Uh, you know, it's pretty impressive. Um, you know, I got a I got a story for you guys. Um, you know, this was actually kind of my biggest find last year. I always kind of lead with this one when people pressure me. Um, it was actually, you know, uh, at this ancient ruin in uh, just south of uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, you know, it's a, a, a an ancient Orcish library called the Library of Wowie Zowie. Um, you know, what I got told when they were sending me there from Hollywood A and M and A is that it was the largest collection of ancient liter- Orcish literature in the world. So we go in, we start excavating, we're, mo- we're working day and night, and uh, you can kind of tell when you're in an orcish ruin because there's those telltale signs everywhere. Ancient tablets with tons of spelling errors where they draw the wrong animal into the hieroglyphics and have to scratch it out. You know, 2,000-year-old abacuses smashed into pieces out of frustration. Lots of crudely drawn ancient graffiti of ancient orcs taking shits on other orcs and laughing. Um, part of my mission was to find an ancient Orcish book called the Homi Sutra. Essentially, it's like if the Karma Sutra didn't have any sex in it, and instead of the book showing two people having sex, it shows a bunch of different ways that guys can hang out. So, you know, after a couple weeks, I'm able to locate the Homi Sutra, an ancient, ancient, badly damaged version of it within the library of Wowie Zowie. Um, but you could tell that the book had been used as a roughhousing device for centuries. Um, there was graffiti in it, drawing of orcish penises. Um, people had been using it to scratch themselves. There were scabs called uh, found on the cover. Um, but the Homi Sutra still had a lot intact, and it, it, it depicted orcs engaging in a lot of friendship scenarios. Like, I, I have a copy of the picture here I brought. This is a page from the Homi Sutra with a drawing of two orcs having a chugging contest. And within the ancient text, it gives rules 
to the chugging contest. If you spill a drop, you get kicked in the nuts, etc. Uh, here's a drawing of the ancient orcs doing the knife game where they try to stab those spaces in between their fingers faster and faster. The rule for that one, it'll just say, don't fuck it up at the bottom. Um, this page is actually one of my favorites. This apparently was a orcish friendship ritual of going with another man to find two trees in the forest and you would both take your shirts off, you would plant your back on the tree, kind of squat, and then you would go up and down scratching yourself, your back with the tree, sort of like bears do. Um, so the homie suture was a huge discovery. Uh, it got me tons of Instagram followers. You know, I went on Jimmy Kimmel, we walked like an Egyptian together, but you know, I thought that would be it. I thought that was really going to be the depths of the temple. Um, but, you know, I went into the library, Zowie. Um, I was able to sneak down into a lot of the ancient sepulcher of the great ass where a perfectly preserved orc ass lay entombed in jewels and ivory. You know, this had been a rumored thing. We weren't really sure if it was true. And I decided to go one night after everyone had fallen asleep. I couldn't sleep. I felt it almost calling out to me, this ass. Uh, I found it and I worked my way down the shaky, unstable passage where something the locals had been not telling us was not safe. You know, I don't know if it was a translation thing, um, even though it was in Missouri. I couldn't understand what the locals were saying uh, or why <laughs> they were saying it. But, uh, you know, after hours of dredging through the underbelly of the temple, I found the ass. You know, I approached it cautiously as I noticed the floor and walls were covered in booty traps. I tested the pressure plate in front of me with my foot. Whoopee cushions all around me went off, releasing 2,000-year-old orc farts into the chamber. You know, I gagged so much on the smell of mammoth fat, primitive grains, and ancient takis that I fell to my knees and started crying. I took a quick crying selfie to show my sensitive side for later, and I pressed forward. Um, I threw a rock into the ceiling, and I set off a dormant 2,000-year-old pea trap. Um, so I could tell that this was a giant 10 gallon drum and now the, the 10 gallons of pee over 2000 years had been slowly dehydrated. So what fell out was actually a softball sized yellow viscera wad, you know, that looked slimy and it fell from the ceiling and started bubbling, you know, this golden clod. And, uh, you know, I think that there is a chance that this ancient dehydrated piss had achieved some sort of sentience. And it actually landed in front of me. It started bubbling in a way like it was trying to communicate. You know, I tried speaking to the piss bubble in every ancient dialect I knew, Indo-Aryan, Elvish, Centuries. Hell, I even talked like a Cajun guy to it. And nothing worked. Eventually, I just stepped over and made my way very carefully to the ass. And the ancient ass at the library of Wowie Zowie was big as hell. I mean, it was a big full ass, almost aggressive in its musculature and character. Um, jewels were inlaid into the ass. They were all brown jewels. I don't know if they started different colors and became brown because it's an ass or what, but, but the ass was magnificent. Um, I lifted my phone very carefully and gingerly. You know, it was very late. I was alone with it. I felt creepy in there, and I began to touch it, wary of any all traps. So, Finally, I was able to hold my breath, lifted my phone up, I gave a quick peace sign, and I took the greatest selfie that I ever took in front of that crazy green ass covered in jewels filled with farts. And after that, I got out of there. I was pretty scared, but um, to me, that's my greatest accomplishment. That, that selfie now has over 1.3 million likes, and... Um, to me, it's, it, it's, it's the peak of my professional career. So that's the story I wanted to tell. Uh, well, can you tell me, how much did you sell the Homie Sutra for? 
Oh, I didn't. I didn't sell it at all. I mean, what? Then where is it? Uh, well, I, you know, it, it it was a book. I, I I gave it to a library, and apparently the director of the library and his best friend have been having tons of fun with it. Yeah, so. he ripped you off. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was going to be like a discovery thing, but I got the selfie. I got the picture of it with me. I mean, it traces back to me, so I still get the clout, you know. I guess clout's good, but. I mean, I got nothing to complain about. So I mean, you know. I'm more about like the experiences than just getting likes or something. Because right. like, I mean, you know, we on this island while we've been here, we've been eating a lot of like the indigenous people's like food, you know? Oh, and yeah. They actually for 26 million years now here, they've been eating SpongeBob's actually. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's kind of like oysters or mussels to them. You kind of squeeze out the SpongeBob and get those juices right. and all that nice, delicious well, you gotta stuff get it fresh. There. Most people think probably of like those SpongeBob popsicles or something. It's like these are not no. sweet. Yeah, they're, that's not the real deal. This is real. These are, the, the they reason have a bit of like a, an umami, I would say. It's kind of a like a pawpaw or something flavor. where it doesn't travel well, so you can't really get a good SpongeBob outside of Mauritius. You know, and it's, don't it's, don't tell me that the farmed stuff is as good because ugh, all that no is plastic, rubbery garbage. Once you've had you real need. SpongeBob, you'll never say something like that again. Yeah, it's got a real earthiness to it, almost like, you know, like you would have a good clean slice of like, you know, like an oyster or something like that, but with almost like anchovy paste and cumin dumped into it. That's the kind of the taste. But there's I also get like a richness to it, almost like a like a truffle oil aftertaste. And it's it's kind of insane to eat. It well, tastes, everyone that lives on the island has great teeth and hair, so it has to be. There has to be something. There has to, to be something to it. And um, I could live off the stuff, but I mean, you know. every, every person that lives on this Island has hair like Scott Conant. And that's <laughs> just, that's just gotta be proof of so they're doing something right. Might be the salt water too. Cause they, they bathe in the ocean. Now we have uh, a lot of work to do. I don't think any of us are arguing that. Is there anything else we want to cover? Oh, I, I think it's about time we head down to the, uh, to the chamber there and try to see what we can find. See if we can find the mummy's whip. I know we've had people clearing the way this whole time. So hopefully we can get down there and crack They're the door. They're telling open us that they, they have the light set up. So oh, I perfect. think we are good to go. You probably want to get out your, your camera there. I'm going to get out my ring light a lot here of, too. Are you guys expecting a human lighting, mummy like or a lighting. dodo bird mummy? Because I think it could go either way. I'm thinking we don't do make I'm saying I'm thinking for this. We don't go makeup. We want to look real rugged for this one, right? Well, I've eaten so I many mean, SpongeBob's that my skin is radiant anyway. I got, I, I make sure I got my hat really dusty so I can hit my head and a little poof of dust can kind of come off of it as I'm like taking. Yeah, Dana, Dana, she's down there. She's going to be taking some pictures of us on top of your selfies, of course. I'm but. excited to get my hands on this mummy's whip. I'm hoping I, I, you know, I can start cracking people with it. Oh, uh, don't don't watch out. I mean, I want to crack who some knows if it's even, green built. If it's even still intact, if it's. Billies. If this thing's still intact, then we're, you know, this might be the find of the millionaires. century. Oh, they said they found something. Hold on. They're calling us down now. They said they found something in a large chamber. Uh, okay, let's get down there and get this door open, guys. Yeah, they're calling us down. What do we got here? Oh, right, man. Do you want me to start it's, shooting the door or are we going to have the interns just push no, the door? No, don't shoot anything. We can probably push it open. It's real musty here. Jerry, so you want to clear everyone out? So oh, it's, yeah, just, it's just like a wooden door. It's like a normal door. It's just a little bit crowded in here, I don't Jerry. want any of the interns in the picture. I, you know, I just, I thought we kind of said that we can get the interns out of Jerry, here. Jerry, just can come clear them out. Just clear them out. Dana, you can stay. You got to take the pictures. Yeah. Just tell them we're worried about diseases or something. Yeah, we can handle the curses. Oh my God. It's so oh, big. This, this tomb is a lot 
bigger than I thought it'd be. This has got to be like what, twelve feet by eight? Yeah, Edgar, Wait, you want to help me smell? with this corner? It's it smells like a, a white bar, white barn candle, like a uh, like Palo Santo or something. Yeah, like with undertones though. There's a, a like a like a. <laughs> Oil scent in the air. I got hand me Maybe the crowbar. Yeah, I'm so get, excited. I'm not here. I'm, going I'm not to, worried about preserving this at all. Let's pop this sucker open, huh? Let's take some pictures. All right, you want to do it on three? All right, all right. Three. three. Wait, you no, pro- do you, I start? Probably, it, do I start at one push. and go to three, or let's, do I go three, two, one? Let's start at one. You know what? We're gonna mix it up. Okay, so go on three, let's or go I'll on say three. one, two, three, go. Yeah, we'll go on three. Okay, so I'll say one, two, three, one, two, go. Or no, you're going to say one, two, three. One, three? No, say one, one two, two, three. three. Count okay. to three. And we're going to say it with one. you. One. Oh, wait, this is just practice. Let's say it, no, say it together. Okay, so are we doing a reel or are we doing we're a We're doing practice? a real one. There's no, there's no okay. dress rehearsal here. Okay. One and done. One. One. one two. two three. three. Push, 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 push. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh God! Is that what is that? Are those are those red fuzzy dice? Is this a mid-sized sedan? This oh, is a, get the dust. I Clear the dust. Get the get the wait, brooms. Get, the can we get this out of here? All right, suck the air. Suck some of this dust up. If we can get the vacuums going in here, you know I could be wrong. I could be wrong about this, it's but mummified. just going off of my hunch, just from the ra- the shape of this, I'm. Th- Thinking that this just might be a Chrysler LeBaron. This is exactly it is. a Chrysler it's a, it's a mummified LeBaron. Chrysler LeBaron. I drew a LeBaron, drew drove a LeBaron in college, and, and but it's it's this is look at these claws. This is a mummified car. The it's ancient Dodosian Empire is twenty six million years old. Has it been here this whole time? Oh my god! I did not know they had the technology for a Chrysler. Check this out. I'm going to check the glove compartment here. You can smell the leather. Let me see what's in this glove compartment. Oh wait, here's a driver's license. Oh, yep. The mummy was a dodo bird. That's what I thought. Oh, yeah. I, I guess he was a dodo bird. They, could, they had 130 IQ. They could drive. That's who I it was. Mystery solved just like that. I guess that's, yeah, I guess, I guess that's it, huh? I guess that's the whole thing. Well, all right. Well, okay. Tell Jared to get back in here. We got to get the ship to the US ASAP because I know a lot of people are going to be gunning for this. So London, Oxford is going to be hitting us up for this too. Fellas, maybe before we send it out, Maybe we take it for a little spin. Oh, don't mind if I do. The keys look like they're still right there in the ignition. All right. Well, let's hop in. Let's get the pictures and let's get the ring light in the back seat there. And let's get this going over way. I know it's almost the golden hour here, so we got to get that sun. But while we still get looking at these selfies. Well, until next time. Enjoy. uh, This has been Unearthing the Temple of the Dodo Bird. This is Missouri Payne here with Weevil Sinclair and Professor Edgar Porch, uh, thank you for listening. We're about to tear some ass. Let's go take a joyride.